Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith, Toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Did Paul preach faith or did Paul preach repentance? The answer would be yes to both. Paul preached both. Repentance is not faith and faith is not repentance. But you could say it's one coin and you got a heads and a tails. You got a faith side, you got a repentance side. There's a warning of the day that has been sounded before the alarm has been sounded, but nowadays it's becoming increasingly more important to speak about these things of easy believism or calling the quick prayer hotline, 1-800-123-REPEAT. And there's a movement amongst Bible uh, circles or Christian circles to leave out repentance, and it's replaced with repeat after me, as if these words will save you. So we're going to go through and look at how we're going to watch how we'll try to let the Bible uh, allow us to see some things this morning. How the Bible defines repentance. Get Acts chapter number 20. Uh, Acts 26, rather. Acts chapter 26. Look at verse number 20. But. Showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Now, is Paul preaching a works based gospel? No, he's not. But true biblical repentance by definition, by default. It will present evidence. It will present results. We don't do good works in order to get saved. But the mere definition biblically of repentance is it will result in something good. Watch what it says. Should repent and turn to God. And in other words, what follows that? Do works, meet for repentance. Now we can discuss what works. Everybody's got different work. We could debate that. And just because you do something that somebody else doesn't do after you get saved, or just because you give up something that somebody else doesn't give up after they get saved, none of that has to do with keeping your salvation or losing your salvation. That's not an issue. If you know anything about our church, we're very strong on the doctrine of eternal security. You can't lose your salvation. But the bottom line is you can't divorce good works as a result of true biblical repentance. Now we can go back and forth and debate what those good works look like and what they are. But the bottom line is, Something follows that shows and proves you're not just giving lip service. Now, it's not in the power of you. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit that is indwelt in you. We say it's the power of God unto salvation. That's the gospel, right? God saves us by his grace. Amen. Well, after we get saved, we have the indwelt power of the Holy Spirit 
to do good works under his power and not our own. And so repentance will prove itself through some type of good works that are meet for repentance. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Let's start in the beginning and run some additional verses in Acts. Uh, Acts 2, 38. The Bible says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What took place? Repentance. What was the evidence of their repentance? They were baptized. Are you saying baptism saved them? No, I'm saying they repented, and as a result, they got baptized. Repentance shows forth evidence or a result. Um, it says, for the pro uh, let's see. Okay, for the promise is unto you, verse 39, and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They received his word. They trusted in who he was. What was the result of that? They were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Evidence, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So I'm not saying if somebody gets saved and they don't fellowship, they lose their salvation. I'm not saying if somebody gets saved and they don't pray, they lose their salvation. What I'm saying is when we look in the book of Acts and we read verses 38 through 42, we see, we see repentance. And after that repentance, we see works that evidence or result in the fact that it was true godly repentance. How many of you have stopped doing things that you saw in the Bible that you shouldn't do? Me, after you got saved, that is. And how many of you started doing things after you got saved that you saw in the Bible that you should do? <laughs> right? Now, when you stopped doing that one thing or you started doing that thing, was that the time you got saved? <laughs> no, of course not, because our salvation isn't based on works. But true biblical repentance will result in the Holy Spirit working in your life, and it's going to show forth the fruit of a true convert. All the converts in Acts showed forth fruit. Now, we're not having a fruit contest. That's not the point, I don't think, of Acts. And that's not the point of this lesson, is to have a fruit contest. But I'm not going to go as far as to say that the Lord has a dead tree and no fruit is being produced. A true repentant heart that trusts in the Lord, it will result that you're going to bring forth new life, new fruit. Uh, let's go to Acts. 
Well, let's stay there and keep wanting, uh, reading in verse 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. You know what the result of repentance is? After they believe, it says, and all that believe, the result is, the evidence is, they were able to stay together. How else are you going to get people from different backgrounds and different ideas and different hobbies and all that to stay together? It's a result of the Holy Spirit. It's another evidence of a true repentant heart. Look at verse 45. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They, the result was they were willing to fill a need. Verse 46, and they continued daily with the one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They continued, they broke bread. Look at this, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. We don't and we can't add anybody to the church. You know, I love public evangelism. You know, I want our church to be in love with lost souls and getting the gospel to them. You know that. But you going out, handing out a track, isn't you adding anybody to the church. Me spending some time at someone's doorstep trying to show them it's not by works of righteousness with, that you do. Me showing up and me trying to get them saved isn't going to add them to the church. If the Lord doesn't do it, nobody gets added. Look, I get we're his vessels. But there's nothing we can do in our own power that will get anybody added to the church. We must be prayed up, prayed in. And we got to just give them the good news of the gospel and allow the Lord to start stirring and convicting their heart so that they would repent. Look at the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. Acts 8, verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He didn't preach good works. He didn't preach baptism. He preached Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they both. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, 
and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord called away Philip, and that eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Baptism is, uh, can only occur scripturally if thou believest. <laughs> if you put the cart before the horse, no working. <laughs> and they both, and they went down both into the water. They didn't have a splash fest and splash some water on each other. They were immersed in the water. That's the, that's the scriptural mode of baptism. And Philip, his answer was, I believe, the evidence that he believed was that he was baptized. Did the baptism save him? No. It's just that there is evidence. There is fruit. There are results that are produced that won't allow you to keep your salvation. And if you don't do them, they won't cause you to lose your salvation. But they will show forth Fruit or works met for repentance. In other words, your repentance is defined. Your repentance is proved. Your repentance is shown forth by your good works. Are they on your own power? No, but you repented. You put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He indwelt you with his Holy Spirit. You're a new creature. If you are indeed a new creature, won't you do new things? Won't you do better things? You would. Would. He also went away rejoicing. I don't know why so many Christians are just down in the dumps. We're saved by the blood of the Lamb. We've been redeemed. We're bought with a price. He lives in us. We, we have a home in heaven. He rose from the dead. He's alive. I, why are we depressed? Why are people downtrodden? They went away rejoicing. We should have some joy in our life. Acts 16, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Uh, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were looped. The keeper of the prison awaked out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do? To be saved. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. When he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the sergeant, saying, let those men go. We said in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. 
Who do we preach the gospel to? Everybody. We don't just look for Gentiles. We don't just look for Jews. We look for everybody. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek. You're going to testify to both those groups of people. And what are you going to testify to those people? Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. You are going to preach repentance and you are going to preach faith. And you are going to watch God do what he's always done, save by his grace. Because if God doesn't save by his grace, then we would be left with, pretty clear through Romans, works. <laughs> this Philippian jailer, look at 31. What was the evidence that he had a repentant heart? And thy house. In other words, who heard the gospel as well? His house. had. I mean, I can't get anything else out of that patches except if a dad gets saved and he's truly saved, he's going to tell the rest of his household about Jesus. Look at verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. They're witnessing. Are you saying if I don't witness, I'm going to lose my salvation? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. If I say, the, it, it, am I saying that if you witness every day that you're going to keep your salvation? No, it's not a point. It's, it's a moot point. You can't lose it. And there's nothing you can do to keep it. We're kept by the power of God. What am I saying? A repentant heart shows forth fruit. There's a result. That happens by default. Verse 33. Wash their stripes. Was baptized. More evidence. Look at verse 34. They set meat before them and rejoiced. They had some fellowship around some food. They rejoiced. There's evidence. I'm trying to point out. That there's evidence. Of a changed life. Every convert in the book of Acts. There was a changed life. You don't live, you don't change your life. Most of you know my testimony. I I cleaned up my life in a lot of ways before I got saved. And I didn't get saved by cleaning up my life. Nobody does. I can stop doing some things, that won't save me. I can start doing some other things, that won't save me. We don't want to put the cart before the horse, but we want to look at some of the evidence. Acts 19, go down to verse number 18. Uh, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, uh, brought their Harry Potter books together and burned them. <laughs> brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Evidence, results, fruit. They came, they confessed, they showed their deeds. Does that save them? No. If they didn't do that, would they have lost their salvation? No. It's just a byproduct of a true biblically repentant art is that there will be fruit shown. Where do you ever, ever find life without growth? You don't find it in the plant life. 
You don't find it in the animal life and you don't find it in people. You don't find it in business. It's a thriving business. It has a lot of lifeblood to it. Yet people are getting laid off and the company isn't bringing in as much revenue and the thing's dying. You don't find that in church life. Everybody says, man, a young church with young people and young children is one that's got life. You know, what's the idea behind that statement? Growth. Anything that has life. Do you have eternal life? Did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, the, the life, the truth, the life? If you have life, you will have growth. It's a byproduct. It's not about keeping, earning, losing your salvation at all. It's a byproduct of a true biblical repentant heart. When they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, fruit will start to blossom. Verse number 20 in that passage, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Here's the big church growth plan. And none of us had to travel across the country and spend three days with a guy in a pair of skinny jeans and a modern version to try to market your way into the kingdom. <laughs> You're getting it for free and it's you evangelize <laughs> and God will build his church. And we see that in verse number 20. So mightily grew the word of God. Let's go back to Luke. The prodigal son is a good example of repentance. If we turn the prodigal son on its head and we flip that storyline around, and if we said that the prodigal son was saved and then started to rebel and left his house, we can flip that on that whole story. We can flip it upside down and make it into something false by saying, yeah, he was saved. He went out into the far land. He did all this stuff and he lost his salvation. Now he had to come back and do some good works to earn it back. You see how you can flip the Bible pretty easily. That's not what happened. He didn't. He didn't lose his salvation by doing bad things and leaving his house because he never had salvation. <laughs> but look at verse number. Where do we want to look? Let's go to 13 and pick it up there. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all. There arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the, his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. Where is the wrestling and anguish over sin? with a lost man 
like there is with this prodigal son. Those last couple verses we read, he's wrestling with the fact that he's a sinner and that he's done wrong. And he has anguish over that. Where is that in this new evangelical softness of just say this prayer? Where is the wrestling over sin? And coming to the coming to grips that for a mighty God, you, you've sinned against him. You've committed high crimes against him. Instead, here, say this. All right, here's where we like to go. Let's go to Ephesians 2. I like to go here. I like to go to Ephesians 2. The Bible says in verse number 8, For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'll go here if I'm speaking to somebody one-on-one. I said, you know for sure you're on your way to heaven when you die? Or how... Are you going to solve the problem of sin? Have you found forgiveness of your sin? Any of those questions I ask, they come back and say, well, I've been baptized. And this is a great verse to go to. Because if you've been baptized, there's a little bit of boasting on that. Anything, any good work that we do, we can boast on. But God takes that away and says, for by grace are you saved. Verse 10 is in the Bible, too. <laughs> well, I know that we all know that, but we, we, we rarely read through verse 10 when witnessing. And I would submit that we should do that more often. Look what it says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Does the Bible say testifying both to the Jews and the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ? The result, the fruit of a true biblical repentant heart is in verse 10. Do you if I build something? And Kelly builds something. And we do a little contest. And we say at the end of the month, we're going to grade you. And neither of us are going to put our names on the project. But when you go look at the shed that Kelly, when you go look at both sheds, you're going to know, yeah, that's the one Kelly built. (laughs) That's the one Brother Jimmy built. How do you know? Well, the roof's crooked. The door squeaks. uh, You got the the framing is, is, is not 16 on centers. And n- neither of our names are on there, but you are going to see you are going to see the result, the evidence and the fruit of a true woodworker. The workmanship of a true woodworker, as opposed to a DIY or wannabe. We have the same problem in biblical Christianity. Repentance will show forth that the craftsman is a master and you will have results in your life. If you don't have results in your life, 
Well, who's the master craftsman? It's Jesus Christ. Did he say we're created unto good works? Did he say before God hath ordained that we should walk in them? Here's what God ordained. When you're in Christ, you're elect. When you're in Christ, it's been ordained before that as soon as you're in Christ, you're ordained to good works. Unless we want to call God a liar and say, well, I can just live however I want. You can live however you want, except a true biblical repentant heart will show forth fruit. It will show forth fruit. And again, I'll qualify it again. If you don't show forth as much fruit as the other guy, that doesn't mean you're not saved. If you show forth more fruit than somebody else, it doesn't mean they lost their salvation. We're eternally secure. I'm trying to key in on the, the, the result of a true biblical repentant heart. Fruit, good works are shown forth. You believe verse 8 and 9, you got to believe verse 10. When you take repentance out, all you're left with is, repeat after me, I know I'm a sinner, I know I'm a sinner. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you, Lord Jesus. I want to trust in you. I want to trust in you. Now, pull my arm, spin around three times, do a backflip, do five push-ups. Praise God, you're saved. We're turning it into, and I don't mean we, I mean as a, 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 a this, this neo-evangelical softness type of witnessing, it's turned into nothing more than Christian shenanigans. It's a it's game show host Christianity. All right, let me try to help you on this. Try to define some words. People say, well, you can't find repent of your sins in the Bible. Okay, well, where do you say repeat after me in the Bible? <laughs> Okay, you don't find either of those phrases in the Bible. So what do you do? I don't find that you go ahead and do a word search. You won't find the word, the two words together, trust Christ. You won't find the two words together, trust Jesus in the Bible. I tell people all the time to trust Christ and to trust Jesus. <laughs> so this idea that you don't see a phrase in the Bible, it's not biblical. We just have to be careful. Do you tell people to trust Jesus? I do because they need to. If I were selling you something, I had something real expensive I was going to sell you. It was really, really valuable. $100,000 that you're going to spend of your hard-earned money. Would you be more inclined to buy it from the dealer that said, look, I'll give you a five-year warranty. All right, I got to spend $100,000. I get five years on it. If something breaks, they'll fix it. Or... The dealer down the road that says, you're going to spend $100,000 on this widget. I'm going to give you a lifetime guaranteed warranty. Which dealer are you going to buy it from? The one that has the lifetime warranty. Why? Because you're set for life. Brother Jimmy, you believe in eternal security? 100% do. I don't think there's anything you can do to lose your salvation because you're kept by the power of God. I don't think there's anything you can do to keep your salvation because you're kept by the power of God. My faith is in Jesus Christ. I'm saved by his grace. 
I've repented. I've turned from my sin and my sin of my idolatry of what I was trusting in. And I put my faith and trust in the meritorious work of Jesus Christ. I didn't clean up my life to get uh, to get saved. I trusted in Jesus Christ. Nothing I can do to lose my salvation. But I am afraid that we use the warranty. I'm afraid we use the lifetime warranty of eternal security to make people feel good about repeating this prayer. You'll never lose it. All you got to do is say these words. You'll never lose it. You're eternally secure. How many of you believe you'll never lose your salvation? I do. How many of you believe that you're eternally secure? I do. How many of you are just trying to see Well, I'm trying to split the hair down the middle and say we just need to be careful that we don't systematically take out the wrestling and the anguish and the turning from what you've been trusting in? You had to have trusted in something before you came and trusted in Jesus. It had to be something. What was that? Idolatry. What is idolatry? Sin. What are you turning from? Sin. And you're putting your faith and trust in something. I'm sorry. Someone that is sinless. I've got books on lordship salvation. I've, I've read all those books. I understand what they preach. I understand lordship salvation is heresy. I, I, I understand all the arguments that they try to use and tell you, you've got to give up this and give up that and give up this and stop doing this and stop doing that. And if you don't, then you can't get saved. I, I, I reject that lordship salvation idea. Okay. You get a great book. Hugh Pyle. Hugh Pyle. He, he's going on to be with the Lord. Oh, excellent author. He's got a great pamphlet on lordship salvation. Explains the whole thing better than uh, at least what I've read. Better than any, anybody I've read. You, you read that book. So I, I'm 100 percent. I'm against I'm against that. But you can't take repentance out of the gospel and have it be the gospel. Faith and repentance need to be preached. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Not clean up your life and repent of all these sins in order to get right with God and then come to him and make him Lord over all your life. The problem with that teaching is we're not going to get all, all the way down this rabbit trail with lordship. But the problem with that teaching is what about the sins that you forgot to repent of? Does that mean you're not saved? What about the sins that you don't know are sins until you get saved and you realize, oh, I need to stop that? You'll never be able to repent of all of your individual sins, but you're repenting of the fact that you're a sinner. You're repenting of the fact that you had faith and trust in Roman Catholicism. You had faith and trust is, well, my daddy was a preacher. You had faith and trust in your good works. You had faith and trust in, well, I've got money. You had faith and trust in, I've got good health. All of that is idolatry. What's idolatry? Sin. What are you repenting from? Sin. Whose sin? Your sin? Because we're sinners. And we had trust in something that couldn't save us. We turned from that. We got hit by, with a two by four on the side of the head. <laughs> wow. Well, that changed my mind about the whole thing. And that's what the gospel does. You get hit like a Mack truck. And it changes your mind. And you say, you know what, Lord? 
I'm turning from that. I'm repentance. And I'm going to put all my faith in the merit of you. We're up in an airplane. You don't know anything about skydiving. But the plane's about to go down. And a guy says, here, put on this parachute. No. Okay, why not? I don't have faith in it. Okay, then perish. Another guy has equal amount of knowledge. Nothing. <laughs> here, put on this parachute. Okay, now jump. Okay, you had no idea if a parachute was in there or not. But you had faith that that parachute would spring forth and save you. The merit and the value of what we're putting our faith in ain't nothing like a parachute. It's Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, he'll save whosoever will. I don't want just a profession of faith. I want to know that someone has a possession of faith. I think we can all do better in our evangelistic efforts if we take precaution, if we be careful, if we ask people, what is sin? What is death? Who is Christ? Who is Christ to you? Why did Christ have to die for you? What happened to Christ after he died on the cross? Did he rise from the dead? What does rising from the dead mean to you? How do you understand that in scripture? Well, I think it means, okay, well, let me show you what the Bible says. Now, do you have a change of mind about that? Well, I think Jesus was, who was Jesus? I think he was just a good teacher. Okay, he, well, he, he certainly was a good teacher. He was a good master, all that. But can I show you what, the, what else the Bible says about him? Oh, hmm. I never thought of it like that. You see how that person is starting to have a change of mind and that repentant heart is showing forth its fruit? That mind is changing, testifying both the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commendeth all man everywhere to repent. Some of these publications publish 500 saved, you know, the state fair, except not a one of them's in church on the following Sunday. You saying they're getting saved? All I'm saying is it's pretty easy to get somebody to sign a card and then have those cards mailed out to local churches. And when those local churches call the 35 cards that they get, not a one of them come to church. Not a one of them. Where's the fruit? You have to repent and believe the gospel. You can't separate the two. Said unto them, thus it is written, thus behoove Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached. His name among all nations. The Bible says, repent ye therefore and be converted. The Bible says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For a sinner to be converted, he or she must repent. Sinners are called toward repentance. It's repentance toward God. It's repent and turn to God. It's absolutely 100% required for salvation. It's not a work any more than faith is a work. You turn toward something. By default, it's defined as you must turn from something. I'm turning toward God. 
okay, what are you turning from? And they tell you. That's repentance. You're turning toward God. What are you turning toward God from? Well, I was brought up Roman Catholic, and I just thought keeping the seven sacraments would keep me my salvation if I made them all. I just thought that if I stayed in church and I was part of that Roman Catholic church, that I'd be on my way to heaven through that church and that Mary's my mediator. Really? How about you turn toward God? Okay, that means I have to turn from this? Yes. What is that? It's called repentance. You're repenting. You're turning from something. That was sin because we're all sinners. We all have an idol in our life that we're worshiping. And then we turn to the true living God. And we trust Jesus Christ. We call out to him. And we trust him as our Savior. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.